good afternoon, good evening, whatever the time may be, and welcome back to Three Sweet Me Bro. This is Mike, Tom, and Jim. We're here for another episode of Three Sweet Me Bro. We're going to talk about the news. We're going to talk about a spotlighted wrestler this week uh, and kind of see what's going on in the world of professional wrestling. So, Tom, why don't you start us off with some clickbait? Kind of touch on some stuff that's happening. It just seems like news just keeps happening and happening and where it's been like, what? To like, oh, God, no. Like, to like, oh, shit. Clickbait. So the drama with Malachi Black and his AEW contract and Twitter trolls. I think that's a very big spotlight for clickbait that we, we, we should talk about, gentlemen. Uh, the news coming out from the Dirt Sheets is that he is super pissed off at the Dirt Sheets. Are the Dirt Sheets ruining wrestling currently? Yes, um, because uh, to you know your who you brought up malachi black um been following him big 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 fan um always have been so i've I've been following him kind of extra close and it's been all over the place and the dirt sheets are saying like all these oh my gosh his mental health and this he's taking away he's hurt he's this and then he comes out and he's like no i never said any of that i'm literally just taking a breather i need a break so i'm like i've always given the dirt sheets a a very big grain of salt and um alistair black or malachi black whatever tommy and he's always been really open and honest about a lot of his stuff um so when he kind of came out and was like yeah no i didn't say any of that stuff i was just literally just taking a break like i'm kind of believing him and it seems like these dirt sheets are just all over the place lately between what's going on with the fight and it's it's nuts so i i wouldn't say maybe they're ruining wrestling but they're definitely something is just it's it's really causing some really interesting issues as of late. Yeah, I I would kind of say what I always say in my in my classes about credibility uh, when it comes to journalism, and that is credibility isn't a blanket. You don't just have it or not have it because the dirt sheets can they can they can shed light on some great stuff and 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 kind of peel back the curtain and give us a little bit more insight into the industry. And there have been some amazing, wonderful. Uh, takes that have been given and there's been some great leads that have come out of dirt sheets but you get a lot of that yellow journalism too you get a lot of that you know well i heard and rumor and because they're trying to get clicks they're just trying to get clicks and some of it is is good sourced information and some of it is just this you're just talking out your ass and i i think i think malachi said it best on his twitter uh, i can't remember his twitter or instagram where he said if you don't hear it from me don't believe it you know, if it doesn't come directly from me, don't believe it. You know, he, he's in control of his career. And it's it, it's a shame that the guy is he's trying to work through some mental health issues. Right, He's trying to get himself centered, trying to get back to this, you know, a place where he's happy and, and content. Give the guy the damn space he needs. You know, don't be up his ass with all these rumors and this guy. It, it reminds me of when Mox went to rehab. Let the guy like leave him right and and everybody did yeah. they gave him that space and they respected yeah. it but for some reason it just the, the, and there's so much of this bullshit tribalism between wwe and aew fans that you know most of this malachi black speculation stuff are people who are like oh he's gotta come back come back home come back home fuck off man let the guy have his life it's it's, it's more important than you getting to see him on raw it really is not that serious so i don't know if the dirt sheets are ruining the business but they're definitely they're they're victim to tabloid style journalism far more than they need to be uh and and that's a shame because there, like i said there are some good things that come out of it i think Meltzer does some good stuff ryan satin has some gems every once in a while uh sean ross sap does some good stuff don't sully your name with all the bullshit too you know and I think, Jim, you really sorry, Tom, just really quick. I think, Jim, you said it the best. That's what it seems like the dirt sheets to me are lately. They've always had that like borderline tabloid where I'm like, eh, they lately have just seemed like, wow, really? And stupid me, I, you know, I end up reading it like I read the thing on Alistair and I'm like, why the hell did I read this? Like, it's stupid. And it's because I'm obviously I'm a wrestling fan and whatnot. But, yeah, I would say a lot of the dirt sheets for some weird reason lately have been very tabloidy, like. To the point where I told Tom, I'm like, I think I'm just going to stop reading them. Like, and I'm just going to, you know, like, yeah, because I think just look at results. And that's where I was kind of headed, because I the way I look at 
the the rise of like the dirt sheets recently have kind of ruined a lot of like big surprises. I think I think it was inevitable that we all kind of saw Cody go into WWE, but it was fueled so heavily by the dirt sheets. And it was kind of like, well, what's the point of why am I going to watch WrestleMania if I know 100% certain now that he's going to be there? Sure enough, he shows up. And and I, I look at it and I understand, like, obviously, I totally understand the rise of technology. And I just, like, I guess what I'm trying to say is that when in WCW, if if they got a slight wind of Nash and Hall showing up, that would have just destroyed the NWO. And so like, I, I guess like maybe it's just my, I, I should take back. Is it ruining it? But it's definitely taking a lot of the surprise out. And that's why I'm trying to avoid this whole white rabbit thing is because boy, the dirt, the dirt sheets are just going nuts over this. That And then to go back yeah. to Malachi black is like, Oh, it was supposed to be Malachi black. And he was like, no, it's not. He's like, I never said anything about leaving AEW in the first place. So, and, and sure. Will it be – the most likely candidate is going to be Wyndham Rotunda, like Bray Wyatt. I, I, I'm i sure – I'm not sure. But also I don't want to look in because I also want to be surprised. I want to genuinely be like, whoa, that was great. That was a great buildup. That was a great little story, bunch of Easter eggs. But man, just lately it's all – it's just constant drama, constant uh, turmoil. And I, I do think and, – and Jim, like you kind of touched on it. I do think – half the reason why there's this AEW versus WWE because it's really piss poor reporting. And that that's the way I look at it. And I, it's like, uh, you know, I, I'm just getting kind of fed up with all this like, oh, did you see what's going on here? Did you hear what's... And I, I think Andrade, I don't know how much he is being serious with his like Twitter and stuff, but like same with Andrade and Miro. Like nobody really knows what they're doing, but the dirt sheets sure as shit think it's like, oh, they're fed up. They're going back to WWE. And it's like, I think it's great that Miro seems to be trolling them, which is great. I love Miro uh, for that. But it's just, it just seems like right now the journalism in, or if you want to call it journalism, it is just, it's really bad right now. And I think is, uh, my last point here is that I also think that is another reason why we're seeing all of this craziness with the punk Kenny Omega stuff. Cause now we're like, there's so much shit being poorly reported that it's like, well, nobody really cares anymore. To reiterate the point that you've made several times, Tom, I'm old. And so I remember before social media, right? I remember pre-social media dirt sheets. I remember in the like late night. Did 90s, you ever call me and Gene? No comment. I, I, I will tell you this. I will tell you this. I may or may not. I may or may not have taken a road trip to Peoria so I could go to Mean Jeans Burgers. I'll let you guess as to whether or not I would have done such a thing. Uh, but, <laughs> um, pre pre social media, guess, everyone. Pre social media, you still had dirt sheets, right? The internet existed before social media, and so. I, I remember the late nineties, early two thousands going to Lords of pain.net. And, and that was, you know, like, yeah, it was dirt sheets. And I was, and you had to go to the sheets, right? You had to go to wrestling observer. You had to go to Lords of pain, high spots, because the only way you were going to hear from the wrestlers themselves was through those interview outlets. Mm hmm. Well, now I can just go right to Malachi's Twitter. I can go right to his Instagram. I don't, you know, I I, I don't need the middleman of a dirt sheet, right? If I want to know what's going on with Malachi or Miro or Andrade, I can go right to their social media. And as we mentioned in a previous discussion, that also amplifies the opportunity to work the public because you can use social media. I don't know if you've ever seen MJF social media, but he's brilliant with it. It is oh, such a complete extension of his character. He never turns it off and it's 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 just beautiful. And I you know, social media gives them an opportunity to extend their character but also an opportunity to circumvent the dirt sheets, right? They're not needed as much as they used to be, quote unquote, needed like they were pre-social media. Yeah. No, that's a good point. That's a Absolutely. really good point, Jim. I've never really kind of looked at it that way, actually, just thinking about the fact that you literally can go directly to the source and the source could work the shit out of you if he, he or she wanted to and whatnot. And it's 
it's to 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 your to your point about MJF. I don't know. Did you see his re- when he got engaged? Like Tom, did you see that? It his, no, no. his engagement. He's like basically it was like he's holding his. I think it's a picture of him holding his fiance, or they're like kissing, and he's like, "Don't worry, ladies. Just because there's a goalie doesn't mean you can't score." Like <laughs> what? The man just got engaged, and he's still throwing. Like he's amazing. He's yes. unreal. But like, but again, to Jim's credit, like he's he's still working us. Like you'll never know when that man is either on or off, and it's 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 yeah, it's good stuff. So interesting. The biggest news of the week, um, I would say, like neither good nor bad, but have to acknowledge the passing of Mr. Antonio Naki, um, the godfather of, dare I say, Japanese professional wrestling. Started um, New Japan. I think he, boy, um, gonna really fact check me here, boys, but uh, at one point left New Japan and went and did All Japan. And then went back like the man hit like he was so ingrained with Japanese professional wrestling, like dignitaries would come to New Japan. You know, he Ali that they, that picture, Tom, of of like I don't know how to explain to somebody being like, this is the greatest one of the greatest athletes of all time, almost getting drop kicked by <laughs> this maniac who really thought professional wrestling was truly real and was like a reflection of himself and his culture. But like. Without this guy, we wouldn't have. I, I boy, oh boy, I, I think we would fifty percent have New Japan Pro Wrestling. Period. Well, we wouldn't have New Japan Pro Wrestling, but like fifty percent of wrestling as a whole. Like, if you oh, think about easily. it, like, yeah. so you know, I'm sure we'll get into him much later. Hopefully, we'll do a spotlight on him because, like, I there is so much behind this guy. It's hysterical, like how he was like in bed with the yakuza, like it. This dude has got it. Like he was, I think he was like a mayor at one point, and like he, he was in the parliament. He is, yeah, par- something. He is legit, like a Japanese hero, not just in professional wrestling, but like everywhere in that country. And would love to do a spotlight on him, but I, he definitely needs to be acknowledged because, like I said, without him, I get, like I said, fifty percent or more of this thing that we love probably wouldn't exist yeah i i I I don't know if you guys saw the dark side of the ring about the the match that he did with flair in north korea uh but to me that that whole issue it it speaks to the power of the man right because not only was antonio anoki a phenomenal worker right and i don't think anybody could possibly ever argue that but he was a great businessman and he was a cultural missionary a cultural icon yeah, you know, he obviously is legendary status in Japan, but incredibly influential on American talent. The fact that he was able to put together that North Korea show, especially if you know the history between Korea and Japan, for for somebody who is uh, is inexorably linked to Japan, and and you know Antonio Inoki is Japan. They're they're, they're inseparable. And yet he was able to put on the largest wrestling show in history in North Korea. It's just it, it, it speaks to what an amazing man he was, not just an amazing talent, uh, but but an amazing person. And uh, yeah, I, I, I think you know, if, if Antonio Noki lived for three lifetimes, I don't I think we still would have gotten more from him. I don't think he ever ran out of things he could contribute. Um, and so, yeah, it's a terrible loss, obviously, for his family, most of all. Uh, but for for professional wrestling, the, the guy again, I, I think he still had brilliant things to contribute in terms of influence uh, and in terms of his mind that he could he could give to the business. So it's definitely a lot that's going to be missing moving forward. All I really have to contribute to this conversation uh, because I agree with everything you guys said is that if you want to watch a the stiffest. Uh, shoot uh, wrestling match you've ever seen. Watch Anoki versus the great Antonio. Is it Antonio? Did it. I say that right? It is. It is the great Antonio. Yep. Holy Christ. He beats the holy hell out of that guy. And with good, and, and by by the way, when you watch it, you're going to think that Anaki in- is being a jerk, but it, no, that Antonio has it 100% coming and it is fantastic. Ooh. Highly recommend it. You can go watch it on YouTube, get your hands on it. Cause 
you want to see an ass kicking, watch that because it <laughs> you, is fantastic. My favorite part about that, and that again speaks volumes to the to the guy Inoki, was that he he gave him three four chances to be like, okay, hey, what, what's going on? Okay, hey, stop that! And then he's like, okay, <laughs> and just right. to Tom's credit unloads on the guy, and it's just you how see it like changed like that. And it's a, it's quite honestly a thing of beauty because it, it is you. I mean, he really he like breaks character in the middle of the ring, and he's like, I think he th- at one point throws his hands up, and he's like, "What are you doing?" And <laughs> Antonio goes like, smacks his belly, and that's when it's like, "All right, cool, <laughs> yeah, here we go." Yeah, yeah, I, I I loved it when he did the the King Hippo. He did the King Hippo from Mike Tyson's Punch Out. Like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> no, it, it just it it goes to speak volumes of the guy that he took his craft very seriously. But I mean, and just you just don't mess around with Antonio Inaki. But uh, yeah, um, to the cosmos, sir. I kind of wanted to touch on kind of carrying off of Tom's you know dirt sheet question. Uh, the yeah, kind of the carry off of that is the what the Soraya debut has kind of shed a light on. Uh, and so when it's, it's Soraya, not Soraya. She went on a thing on Twitter about like, it's Soraya. You sure? I'm pretty sure it's Soraya. I don't want her mad at me. So <laughs> I'm going to say it both not ways. Page. <laughs> yeah, not, not page. FKA page. Uh, so, so when when she debuts, right? When she debuts on Dynamite, it, it reopens this horrible division between AEW and WWE fans. And and I'll, I'll be perfectly frank. I feel like it's one sided. I, I feel like it is primarily WWE fans who, for some reason, feel like they have to be exclusive, right? That, that only WWE can be good, and if it's AEW, it sucks. Who people just started shitting all over her for being an AEW because admittedly she was a little rusty on the mic. And suddenly you have, I've been seeing these people over the last two weeks questioning whether or not she ever really was good. And it's just kind of like this reflexive rewriting of history because she's not with WWE anymore. Mm-hmm. And it, it just, it again, it's another part of the toxicity of, of pro wrestling culture that I think is uh, not helped. I should say by the dirt sheets because uh, she's she's phenomenally talented. I'm happy to see her back. I'd love to see her work again. Why do we have to be miserable? Why do we have, why do we have to be mad about something great happening just because it happened in the other company? I think already the women's division in all of wrestling is is constantly shit on, and I don't know why. Because – and I think that has a lot to do with it. And I think there's be, – besides that, besides that point, you also have all these WWE people, uh, fans, who are like, oh, well, AEW can have all the washed up WWE guys. And like I've seen a lot of like crazy comparisons to WCW in the last like with AEW. And to a certain extent, I do agree with some things, but – I thought Soraya, Soraya, well, you can edit that, Jim. Uh, I think it's huge. I think it's much needed. I think if, um, I think one of AEW's strongest uh, point is, is the, like, is the women's division. And I think it's only going to make it even better. So, yeah, I I agree, man. I, I don't understand this, like, hate on her. And, like, she was... I mean, people were crying when she left. People were crying when she retired. And now all of a sudden she jumps to AEW and everyone's like, well, fuck her. And and I, I hate bringing it up, but we all know what she did. And that's her own business. And I don't care about that. But I see all of that being brought up again. And it's like, what are you what are you guys doing? And I that's and, and to me, I know we're smart marks, but that is a gross mark. That's stupid marks. If you ask me bringing that nonsense up, because it's just, I, I, I think it was huge. I think it was incredibly huge. Yeah. I, I totally agree. She's a little rusty on the mic. Uh, especially when she was like talking about Tony storm, it was kind of like, Ooh, well, you know, you can only get better, but yeah, man, I, I think it's 100% fueled by the dirt sheets. Yeah, it is. It is. It's just gross. Um, and I think it's just, it's, 
Boy, oh boy, Jimmy, bring up a good point because I mean, you're you're now you're shooting into different spider webs of 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 you shoot, stuff. Shoot. Well, no, <laughs> here I go, guys. No, um, that's Polly. Shoot. No, no just I mean, call, just, just the call fact, him Vince Russo. Just <laughs> yeah, wrestling legend. I use quotes when I say that. God. Sorry, Mike, go ahead. No, it's okay. No, and it's it's just opening a can of worms that's been just in women's athletics sports in general, you know, is the fact that why do women face this extra amount of scrutiny when half that half, both on locker rooms on each side are equally just as horrifying or if not worse or have, you know, been culpable of something in the past. Yes, things are changing and, and whatnot, but like – I hate to say it, but also sex sells. And Paige, unfortunately, got, I, I, it sucks. And it's I'm all for someone's privacy. And I, I feel terrible that I got violated. But it's just it. that's what sells. And so people are going to bring that back up. And the fact that Alberto Del Rio is oh, like wanting to come back again. And it's like, I wouldn't touch that guy with a 10-foot pole. Like, enough said that's about that. That Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, he's really trying to come back and this and that. But anyway, but I mean, it just... Again, but it's also it's fueled by the dirt sheets and it's the tabloids like, oh, look, remember what Paige did? And I'm like, wait, wait, what did she do? I'm like, ah, crap. And I felt, you know what I mean? And it's it's the same things that always happen and whatnot. And it just unfortunately it sells. And she has one bad night in the office and it's like, oh, look, WWE made her. She can't hang without the WWE, you know, and it's just it's terrible. It's terrible. And it it breaks my heart that women's wrestling gets crapped on so much and when like you said tom there's the some of the only reasons why i'm watching have been just become like well check out what the women are doing because they can they actually you know uh can go and you know are telling an interesting story and this and that and even on both um you know a and aew um if we you know i don't know if this is going to be a segue into uh my match of the week um Hot take here. Uh, Serena Deeb and Tony Storm was my match of the week. I thought it started off a little slow, um, but it when Serena finally kicked in and I almost I wanted to text you guys like and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm I'm I don't want to blow them up because I I had the privilege this week of having COVID of watching every single um, show this week minus impact. I don't have it. And plus, I mean, it really, but anyway, um, is it really watching? I mean, I, I'm good enough on reading for that, but anyway, I, digress. I, I just wanted to say, wow, they're really pushing Bobby fish. No, yeah. they're, they're really pushing them. Sorry, Mike. Anyway, no, whatever about that guy, but anyway, but no, um, I wanted to, during the Serena Deep Tony Storm match, I wanted to text Jim and just be like, I am looking at a female Dean Malenko. Um, and like this woman, like, my God, I hope Dean Malenko is just chewing her ear off, um, you know, and teaching her this. And Tony Storm has just got this, just, I don't know. They, it, it started slow for me, but it ended up telling a really good story. And I thought it made Serena Deeb look really, really strong. Um, and, and, and whatnot. So that was, that was my match of the week. Um, and like I said, that's, I really wish they would get more of the spotlight. My wife complains about it constantly. And she's just like, why is Britt Baker not on TV more and not the main event and whatnot. And so, and, and it's there too. The the crowd is there. Like, I don't know if you heard, what was it last week when Britt came out and was jaw jacking with Soraya, Soraya. She's, I did it too. Um, and people were chanting for Jamie oh, Hader. page. And people were chanting for Jamie. And Jamie Hader had that Hulk. And she, you you could tell she was like, oh, guys, not, 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 not the right time. Like, and it was great. But so, like, women's wrestling is loved. And it just, yeah. So that's my, that. but anyway, that was my match of the week. Well, I actually, kind of piggybacking off of, <laughs> you guys are going to think I'm just fucking with you when I say this, but I'm absolutely serious. Both, both piggybacking off of Mike's comment about, uh, uh, you know, women's wrestling not getting due respect, and and Tom off of your comment about are you really missing Impact? M- my match of the week was actually from Impact. Uh, it was <laughs> Masha Slamovich. <laughs> it was Masha Slamovich against Ali Catch uh, in a Monsters Ball match. I thought it was fantastic. I thought I thought they put on a hell of a show. Uh, it was Ali Catch's debut in Impact. Uh, she's oh, nice. she's the tag team partner of uh, uh, of uh, oh uh, Effie. 
Effie, yes, yes. Allie Catch is Effie's tag team partner in Bussy. Uh, and she debuted for Impact against Masha Slamovich in a Monsters Ball match. And I thought they were fantastic. I thought they, you know, it sucks when it's an Impact because their crowd has like five people in it and you can hear them like having conversations with each other. It's really fucking distracting. Uh, but, but it was a great match. It was a great match. You know, if you watch it on mute, it's even better because you don't get distracted by all the like side conversations in the audience that you can hear oh my god in the ring too impact ring is just like kablamo and it's i mean it's great because it sells but it's so loud because there's there's just not a lot of people there and but um they're really pushing masa slamovich i haven't i haven't been too much on the up and up i just keep hearing she's like a kind of like a god like a i don't want to compare to a man but like a taz but like a it's like a Taz, Jimmy Hader, uh, Layla Hirsch, just kind of that. Well, and that's I, I love the fact that they've got her working with Jordan Grace because I'm a huge Jordan Grace fan. I think she's phenomenal. oh man, she's amazing. And watching her career over the last several years, like three years, I think I, I just so in much improvement. Um, I think she's, oh, yeah. she's you know done fantastic in ring work, and she's really growing her character uh and and so i'm a huge jordan grace fan so yeah the the jordan grace masha slamovich match is going to be fantastic i'm really looking forward to that but yeah i guess i you know i guess it's the theme is women's wrestling don't count it out because like i said masha hey. slamovich alley catch i think it was great I, jordan grace had a really good match against uh max the impaler actually the week before yeah uh, impact i think impact has a really good women's roster i think you know who am I? But if I could wave a magic wand, I would I would make Impact a women's centric company because their male roster. <laughs> yeah, it's it's barely holding on. And I mean, like, I don't know what they're doing with this, this honor, no more nonsense. And then the Bullet Club shows up every once in a while, if you really want to call them that anymore. And. And like, I like Josh Alexander, but he's, I think he's starting to like, okay, maybe ready for like AEW ish. Exactly. He you know, thrive elsewhere. And cause yeah. like, the fact that again, they're pushing Bobby fish, right? That's, that's how, that's how bad they're they're <laughs> the situation they're in. All of the, all of the guys in the impact locker room who are good could make a huge impact in nwa aew some even wwe right everybody everybody's been waiting for moose to show up in wwe for forever oh hell yeah yeah i i think impact if i again wave a magic wand if i was you know could can make scott demore do anything i'd make it a women-centric company because they have phenomenal talent and they could build from where they're starting here now and let those male talent go to these other companies where they can have more uh they can have better matches to be perfectly frank and it's in front of more than six people because that's really yeah. fucking sad to be on national television with yeah. six people in the audience yeah. no i mean what their their women's division is what it's ty valkyrie uh jordan grace mia yim uh masa slamovich the um max the impaler but she's part of a tag team i always forget the name of that tag team but well, they've got Rosemary still. They've got. Oh, Jessica yeah. Rosemary, Havoc. Jessica Havoc. They got some amazing talent over there. You know, they and, and really do. They just uh, uh, Madison Rain just left to go over to AEW where she's kind of the women's yep. coach for AEW now. But I mean, they I think they've got some. And again, I think they could build. I think with the roster they have now and they could Mickey James is in and out of there. You know, she's crossing over between, yeah. oh, yeah. or between Impact and NWA. I, I think that would be. Instead of this, you know, trying to do the, you know, women of wrestling or the revamped glow or any of that shit, let's use the infrastructure of impact and make it a, a women's wrestling uh, company. I, I think the sky's the limit there. What was your match of the week, Tom? Uh, Bobby Fish being announced. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, my, this is really I the mean, Bobby I'm Fish match. Uh, no, this isn't your match of the week. Bandito versus uh, Chris Jericho. I, that dude, oh my god! Uh, I can't say enough about uh, Chris Jericho. Obviously, uh, oh my gosh, sorry, that's my dog. Um, I think. Well, I mean, we could talk about this for hours, but the fact that Jericho is the Ring of Honor champion is—I'll uh, be blunt—a terrible idea. 
I don't care who I, and all, in all honesty, if there's, if I have one big gripe about AEW is the weird ring of honor stuff, uh, either make it happen or just blend it in with the entire company. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, and it certainly doesn't make any sense that Chris Jericho is the ring of honor world champion. Well, that's that's terrible. That's part of the reason why um, I just I I was so excited for Bandito and I was really happy he got to. I mean, oh, my God, like I was popping big time for some of those things that he was doing. Oh, but the thing that oh, God, the thing that just killed it for me for wanting to put it into my match of the week was and this is going to be just really lame, marky bullshit. But like the fact that Bandito hit him with every single one of his moves and Jericho kicked out. And it's like, what, dude, you're the, yeah. you're a 50 year old ring of honor. Like, I'm sorry, Bandito should have won that time. Like either. I don't even know why they took it off Claudio to begin with. Um, it just doesn't make any sense, but like, I just don't want Jericho. Cause like, of course, like I would love to see like a Joe and, and Jericho or a Joe and Loki or something. But I'm like, if you're going to let these guys basically just beat the shit out of you and then you're going to win. Like, I don't like, wow, cool. You're actually to me hurting them. Uh, more than you are helping them. And I actually, not to go, I guess our theme maybe dirt sheets, but like I've read that like there are a couple of people, like some of the more legit that are like, dude, seriously, like you really let the guy do all of his biggest moves that like his dealer, tw- whatever he calls it, the fl- the, the flip into the, the German pin. I can't, the, can't think of the name he thinks of it. That, that's usually his go home. And the fact that like you just you just kicked out of his move you know, he's been unbeaten for this, you know, and it just a lot of people are kind of like Jericho, like you should have known better, like, you know, or something like that. And it just I don't know. And like, but they're like, I guess the fact that he kind of did the lion tamer more, I guess people are saying it's it's more of a he's like, OK, uh, like if I'm going to beat him, I'm going to beat him with something good. Like that actually looks decent and whatnot. So I, I that's that's my whole gripe with it. But. I mean, yeah, I totally, I, I do agree, but I also think that uh, the the whole reason why, and I think in Jericho's way of justifying it is that you're he was trying to showcase Bandito as best as he could by showing all those big moves over and over again. Yes, he did kick out, and I do agree. I think that's incredibly stupid, uh, but I think they're gonna. Uh, I could see because AEW desperately needs a baby face that isn't John Moxley as much as I like John Moxley they need a baby face and I really do not like and I'm sure I'm gonna get shit on for this I don't like Adam Page and I I, I saw him with the title I I think he's got a lot of work to do oh no <laughs> yes yeah forever no um I I think they need a fresh baby face and I think Bandito's the the guy he is your baby face to to push that um I also think that that's that's a real struggle for AEW right now is that they have no legitimate babyface because MJF and we've talked about this in our text threads and everything. Um, MJF, I I personally believe it's inevitable that he's going to be babyface, but I I hope they don't. I think he needs to be heel. But who, I, no matter who he takes the belt off of, he's going to get a babyface reaction because you, you don't have a. A, a solid baby face. And I'm sorry, it's not Adam Page. In your face, Jim Yeager. <laughs> <laughs> Cowboy shit. Uh, I, the, the guy comes out on national TV in a pink Dolly Parton shirt. How do you not fucking lose it for that guy? How do you not support him? Uh, yes, I, I don't, I just don't, I don't like him, man. It's okay. Everybody has the right to be wrong, Tom. Uh, <laughs> I love. No, I, Dolph Ziggler's brother to be pushed. There, I said it. No, yeah, Hollywood hunk Ryan Nemeth. He deserves it. It's his time. Yeah, to to the moon. To the moon. Put a put put a rocket up his ass and watch him go. I I thought the Bandito Chris Jericho match was a great Bandito match. I don't know what the fuck Chris Jericho was doing there. Like, you know, have you guys ever seen the videos of like Kenny Omega or Koda wrestling with like blow up dolls in in Japan? 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. I think I think Bandito could have had the same fucking match with a blow up doll. I don't know what Jericho brought to that. And it it, it, it drives me nuts that like this is such a vanity project for Jericho because you know, you know I don't know if you guys saw it, but immediately after he won the title, like they were posting shit about like the only guy to win the WCW, WWE, Ring of Honor, AEW, like he's held all of these different fuck up dude. yeah yeah but he didn't he shouldn't have though right it's you know it's it, it, it's one of the things like it drives me fucking nuts about the oh, rick flair conversation you know like oh he's the best because he's a 16-time champion it's not like he got to be 16-time champion because he like lifted the most weight it was it's it's <laughs> because somebody decided to put him on it put it on him chris jericho didn't win all these belts because he's god reincarnate it's because somebody decided to put it on him like that's not let's not pretend yeah. like he's this amazing fucking athlete just because he won the won these titles so i yeah. i hate the fact that they put it on him i i don't like the way that they worked bandito on that match they better give bandito a fucking contract after that and he better tear oh, it up because that was phenomenal. That was absolutely phenomenal. And, and for that to be the biggest stage he's ever been seen on, that was Bandito's introduction to a lot of people. And he, and he fucking killed it. He absolutely killed Even with a sack of potatoes like Jericho, he fucking killed it. <laughs> <laughs> like that, that fucking, dude, that backflips, that moon, moonsault slam off the top. Oh, my God. That was a thing of beauty. Every time I see Bandito do it, I don't, you know, I don't know if you guys have ever noticed, but his angle is really, really steep, right? He, he's practically lawn darting himself almost every time. But with Jericho, yeah. it's like, oh, my God, that was not that was disgusting. <laughs> and I will say the hanging suplex he had for like damn near a minute, right, where he had Jericho for almost a minute on that suplex. That was fucking amazing. Even more amazing oh, that was because great. you could see Jericho's mashed potato body all descending. The laundry held him up there, so that was great. But yeah, I, I guess uh, to me that was a Bandito match. It wasn't a Bandito Jericho match, but I, I, all the praise in the world for Bandito. I thought he did fan fucking tastic. Yeah, no, and you know what? It's the and I, I hate bringing this into it, but there is a very strong um, Latino presence in wrestling um and it's a and i will say wwe does a remarkable job of that they really do they really do very very well in promoting their um latino uh wrestlers and i hope i i hope AEW can kind of mirror the same you know um sometimes i feel like aw stuck in a little bit of the good old boy southern territory sometimes and it it irks me a little bit but i I think they're trying to get better um, and it, I hope they do. So, yeah, you can't, you can't tell me you wouldn't lose your shit to watch bandito versus Wardlow, right? Like, uh, like, like seriously, the contrasting oh. styles. I think that would be a fucking banger of a match. Oh, I, I totally, agree. absolutely. No, he's got the, he's, he's very reminiscent. I, I, they said Eddie Guerrero and I was like, no, it's not, I don't see it. It's I can't quite put my finger on it, but I mean the guy, it's like just he's so charismatic and but man, he wrestles like a big man. Like, but yet it still has that luchador style. It's I think honestly that's why they paired they paired him with Jericho. I I'll I, I'm with you on Jericho all the way, but that man it it when he finds a style that works with him, and I think the he's Jericho's always been kind of a lucha guy. Um you know, he's very, very steeped in it. And so I think they just were like, hey, why not, you know, stick him with Bandito and see what happens. And it, I agree, it was mostly a sack of potatoes, but I think it was because Jericho could like, okay, I know what to expect from a guy like this, you know, kind of thing like that. So. So this week's spotlight, uh, I, I wanted to start by asking you two uh, esteemed and knowledgeable gentlemen to, to, We'll, we'll, we'll do a little game here. I'm going to describe a move, and I want you to tell me what it's called. Okay? So if I'm standing on the apron, and I jump to the second rope, and I springboard off of the second rope into a moonsault on a standing opponent on the outside, what is that called? Acai moonsault. That is an acai moonsault. That is exactly correct. And that is who our spotlight is on this week, is Yoshihiro Asai better known as the Ultimo Dragon. 
Uh, yes. I, I am a huge Ultimo Dragon fan, have been for a very long time. I have owned exactly one Lucha mask in my entire life, and it was of Ultimo Dragon. Uh, I also have an Ultimo Dragon mask, man. I'm it so is. I'm like, I have goosebumps right now. I am. I am so in. I. I. It, it, he's on my Mount Rushmore. Uh, Ultimo Dragon, I think, is one of the most underrated technical wrestlers uh, of the last forty years. Uh, and, and I think anything we can do to shed more light and give more love to the man is is appropriate. So, um, one of the things that that Ultimo Dragon is is probably most special for is he had a very unique story coming up in the industry, coming up in the business. He actually began his training at the New Japan Dojo, uh, began training in the New Japan Dojo, which has launched the career of many, many superstars that we have today. But unlike many New Japan trainees, he actually was considered undersized by his trainers and as a result was not really given any good work in the New Japan system. And so after completing his training at the New Japan Dojo, uh, Yoshihiro Asai, the Ultimo Dragon, ends up going to Mexico. And it is while he's in Mexico that he really learns the style that he came to be known for. Um, you know, obviously you see Ultimo Dragon, you think of Ultimo Dragon, and, and people think, you know, like, oh, it must be a Japanese style. No, Ultimo Dragon is a very unique wrestler in that while he was initially trained at, in the New Japan style, really his career is defined by the Lucha Libre style he learned once he got to Mexico. Uh, in Mexico, he started working for CMLL. Uh, that's where he was initially given this, the Ultimo Dragon persona. Uh, Ultimo Dragon, for the record, means the last dragon, the ultimate dragon, uh, because his initial gimmick was he was the last student of Bruce Lee. Uh, who was known as the dragon. Uh, obviously that story Whoa. disappeared. You know, people stopped telling that story, uh, but the name stuck. And so Ultimo dragon uh, kind of really became Ultimo dragon fighting in CMLL uh, and fighting throughout Mexico during the early nineties. It was in the mid nineties that Ultimo dragon really got introduced to American audiences in the form of WCW world championship. Ugh. Yeah. And that's that's where I met him. Right. That is where I first met Ultimo Dragon uh, was in, I think, an amazing feud uh, with Dean Malenko uh, for the oh, team. Yeah. Uh, while in WCW, Ultimo Dragon uh, fought in the cruiserweight division. He held the cruiserweight championship twice and he also fought for the television title. Uh, and won the television title a couple of times. Unfortunately, he was never pushed beyond that kind of mid car status because this was wcw of the late 90s uh we we know who was in charge there we know who was getting the push there and it wasn't going to be a five foot seven hundred and eighty five pound guy from japan <laughs> so w while he was in wcw he wasn't being used tremendously well uh by bischoff and company but unlike a lot of other uh, uh, talent at the time was still allowed to work other shows because he wasn't one of the big names. He was allowed to work outside of WCW. And so while under contract at WCW, Ultimo Dragon accomplished history. Uh, and he did this by simultaneously holding 10 different titles at the same time. Uh, you know, we, we, we've talked a few times about the belt collector gimmick that people like Kenny Omega and Matt Cardona and, uh, uh, you know, the Austin Aries, you know, they, they've dusted off with collector gimmick really it was Ultimo Dragon uh, was the first one to kind of originate that uh, it started when he, he initially held the NWA uh, middleweight championship. Uh, and while holding that championship, he also went on to win the J cup uh, in Japan, which was eight championships all together. Um, so that gave him nine. And then on top of it, won the WCW cruiserweight title from D Malenko. And as a result, ended up with 10 championships all the exact same time. It didn't last long. Um, that, that record still stands today. It's the most titles ever held uh, by one man at one time, but it was only for about a week. Uh, was, he only had those titles all for about a week. After about a week, he lost the J-Cup belts to Jushin Thunder Liger, who is also one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Kind of a great period. Yeah, just kind of a brilliant period uh, in professional wrestling history. Um, Dude, that, that picture of him holding all the belts is so fucking sick. It's, I, oh, it's I, amazing. I, I, that, that is like one of my favorite wrestling photos like ever. 
Yeah, it's it, it's well, an did, iconic photo. Didn't he come out on a nitro or something like that when he had him and he's you know the goofball Sonny Ono and he's just like but he's got like a neck they're all over his arm and it's just yeah oh yeah, I hated and, that yeah like, and that's he was and because he was saddled with Sonny Ono in in WCW I think that really limited a lot of what he could do but yeah it is is him walking out on Nitro with all ten belts was absolutely a spectacle that man talk about being able to. Be, Imagine how big you could push a guy by being like, look at this dude. He's got 10 yeah. fucking simultaneously and we've got him, you know? Mm-hmm. And they, uh, they, God, they hosed him, I thought. Yeah. And I mean, it was the same thing. And it was just like pairing him with Sonny Ono, who like, you know, back in the day, of course, I hated him. And then looking at it, it was like, oh, God, this is really racist, you know? And it was just that typical, like, I'm not going to do it at all, but just that taking pictures and the goofy laughs and like, why are you pairing him like no come on really this guy and like I whatever Sonny but ono, i think sunny ono is from like tennessee or something like he's <laughs> something like that yeah yeah that he's like i he, they were like I, he's like i don't even speak jet and he actually had to do like a forced you know kind of asian gimmick yeah fuck that guy but that nah, maybe probably wasn't him but i don't know i love Who that knows, but... racism of the 90s oh uh, yeah but so after what you know, what what many would consider to be a rather uh, disappointing run in WCW, Ultimo does go back to Japan, and while in Japan, he opens a school. He opens the the uh, Dragon Dojo, uh, and uh, also starts an organization called. And this, I know I'm not going to say this right, but I'm going to give it my best shot. Uh, <laughs> starts the Toriomon <laughs> uh, uh, company. Uh, now the Toriomon fed did not last tremendously long but it was primarily made up of of ultimo dragon students uh it was a lot of the people who went through his training went through his his program uh and toriomon is you know today it's still technically around it's just it has evolved into what we now know as dragon gate so really ultimo oh. dragon was one of the founders of dragon gate uh which has launched oh. of many many brilliant wrestlers we have in the u.s today did not uh, I did not know that I didn't know that Tori Tori Oman morphed into Dragon Gate. I had no idea. That's cool. It became Dragon Gate ultimately. Uh, so he 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 worked with Tori Oman for a few years uh, before eventually he went to WWE and uh, uh, <laughs> look, look, we've all made mistakes. We've all made career moves we shouldn't have made. And this is one of them. Uh, Ultimo ends up signing with WWE and not surprisingly is underutilized from the very beginning Uh, to their, to their defense. I should say that WWE signed Ultimo dragon shortly after Rey Mysterio. And I think they were hoping for, for a lot of that kind of shine to to come his way. You know, the, the undersized guy who could do a lot of phenomenal moves. The problem is, is, they really pushed Ray as a contender and they never pushed Ultimo as a contender. He was never really given that shot. He had some great matches. He, he did some amazing work in WWE. He, he uh, rolled out a new finisher during his time in WWE uh, called the Asai DDT, which That's is a so sweet. So it's amazing. Uh, it's essentially the slice bread number two, but without climbing the ropes. Right. So instead of, yeah, oh, yeah it's just, you just grab the guy like you're going to do a stunner. And then you just flip over the back of them into a DDT or reverse DDT. And it is, it's amazing. It's beautiful. It's, it's also one of my favorite moves to add to create a wrestler in every video game, <laughs> every WWE video game I've ever had. Yeah. Um, it's a great move. I remember Jim, I think we watched his debut match and we were like, holy shit. Like was not expecting that. And it was like, well, cause it's, it's, he's a little older at this time, you know, and it's, it, it just like, he does this thing. And I remember you and I popping pretty good. Like, Oh shit. Yes, I was I was super psyched to see him getting into WWE, uh, but then very quickly disappointed. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if I'm, I'm stealing your thunder, Jim, but like are, um, I didn't know if you're going to get into this, but it, like there was rumors that he what kind of was the downfall. Um, not, it, he wasn't punished because he tripped, but all the negative like and they never really like backed him on it and stuff like that. And how people were like, oh, look, it was like two trips. Yeah. I, I, people have done way worse and whatnot. And I just, I didn't know if you were going to talk about that, but I remember Tom, you were like 
it was a big rumor that, oh, that's why they buried him because he was this, you know, just this megastar and he screwed up live at the biggest at WrestleMania kind of thing. And, and it was like, no, the dude just tripped. And like, but I heard it was just the reason why he wanted out was because the, the negativity, just the, the fans and everything, just giving him utter, utter shit. And the WWE, like really not sticking up for him. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, he he basically he it was at WW it was excuse me it was at WrestleMania he uh, tripped coming out of Gorilla uh, coming out onto the stage and then when he climbed the ropes to do his entrance as well he he had another stumble uh, which again like you said I've seen the Rock do that right I've seen the, I've seen the Rock fuck that up. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Billy Kidman, he, for fuck's sake, missed a shooting star press completely and hit the ring rope. So, I mean, really, by the way, hilarious video if you've ever, oh my God, I, I'm glad he's okay, but goddamn, listening to the commentary and just watching him completely miss. And watching Eric cool. Bischoff run up to the ring and being like, oh, oh, fuck, fuck, fuck. That was my <laughs> <laughs> Seeing the fear in Eric Bischoff's eyes. Uh, anyway, so, sorry, but this, yeah, oh, my God. Ultimo does not have a great time in, in Connecticut. Uh, doesn't doesn't really fit in real well uh, with WWE's system and their, their approach to everything. So he asks for his release. He gets it, and he goes right back to Japan. Uh, and he works in Japan for many more years. Uh, on a somewhat limited schedule, but but still a lot of longevity in him uh, and ends up wrestling for all Japan, wrestles for New Japan, uh, gets, a, you know, gets affiliated with Dragon Gate uh, uh, in 2019, uh, where he is still today, where he is still an executive today uh, in his career. Uh, Ultimo not only again pioneered the Asai Moonsault, which I think. The way he did it was just, it was absolutely poetry. It was just absolutely beautiful form, uh, the way he would hit it. Uh, he also did not invent, oddly enough. I always thought he invented it, but was just merely one of the kind of the, the people who bring, bring it, bring it to, to the forefront was the dragon sleeper. Uh, I always thought he invented the dragon sleeper because it's called the fucking dragon sleeper. Um, <laughs> even no, he was just kind of one of the people to really popularize it, which I still think is one of the most brutal submission holds uh, oh. in, in wrestling today. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's because he, he would like lock their legs, right? He would like they'd be pinned back and he would cry. Oh, my God. Like. He, there's the surfboard variation, right? Which you'll see people like Danielson do where you get them like you're going to put them in the surfboard. And then instead of just holding their arms and elevating them, uh, you grab them in the dragon sleeper. Mercedes Martinez does a really vicious version of that. Uh, the surfboard with a dragon sleeper. Uh, but dragon, the ultimate dragons version was just real simple. The guy's laying on his back. You pick up his head and you lock in a headlock essentially um, oh that, yeah that's right yeah all that pressure on the back of their neck and on the back of their their uh shoulder blades and everything and it's brutal it's just absolutely brutal um, i forgot about that didn't the undertaker start using that one <laughs> he did yeah during during his during his american badass face uh under <laughs> dragon sleeper for quite a while um <laughs> But yeah, so he pioneered. It just makes no sense. I know. Sorry, Jim. It just makes no sense. Like the mission master Undertaker. My gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It was like that. Was like when Triple H was using the sleeper hole for a while. Do you remember that? Like what? What is happening? Like yeah, Undertaker was trying. I remember him doing that. Yeah, he was using Hell's Gate, right? The Oma Plata. Yeah, there was Hell's Gate. Get the fuck out of here. It was look, man. We all have dark times. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, Ultimate Dragon is you know like I said, I, I think his his time in WCW was uh, some of the most effective technical uh, lucha libre style I've ever seen. I, I, it was absolutely beautiful to watch. Uh, it was phenomenally talented. He was it, so clean. His move set was so clean. One of the best oh spinning God. back kicks you'll ever see, and it was. Oh it, Ultimo Dragon and Lance Storm, the two of them are the perfect, you know, spin yeah. kick. Both of them are picture perfect every single time. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm a huge Ultimo Dragon fan. Always have been, always will be. And like I said, anything we can do to kind of bring more attention to him, you know, uh, what I mean, what are your guys' memories of Ultimo? Like, what are what do you remember about his his runs? I think my biggest memory is obviously the WCW days, which was just, I mean, that was when, 
I, I think it was uh, – was he involved? Yeah, yeah, the Super Bowl where it was like New Japan. I think he was in that. And that was when I – I think that was my first memory. And that's when I first started getting into like, you know, Japanese wrestling mm-hmm. um, and whatnot. Um, but, yeah, I just – I remember like, wow, this guy is so fluid. Like mm-hmm. everything he does is perfect, you know. And it just – Man, that that Asai moonsault, like every time, just that beautiful arc. And like whether he landed on his feet or not, it was just 95% of it looked beautiful. And just again, to Jim's credit, I just remember, I was like, man, this this guy's got a weird Lucha Libre style, but he can roll. You know, he can wrestle. He can do this stiff, um, you know, some of the stiffer, you know, the New Japan style. And what a perfect, just what a perfect combination for him. And it worked. And he was a shorter guy. And just, it's just really neat. Just what a cool blending of two very, very different wrestling styles and making it work for you. And that's what I, that's, I mean, I just, like I said, some of those WCW days and him and Malenko uh, and whatnot. But I would say, I think the biggest thing I remember him for, um, and kind of surprised you didn't um, touch on a gym, is he, I believe, after he left WCW or um, he was really hurt. Um, and it was like a botched surgery or something. And he ultimately had to retire. Um, and it was like, that's where I'm like, oh man. Cause it was like, oh cool. Maybe he'll go to the WWE or like, who knows what he's going to do. But he, he was hurt for a really long, I mean, it wasn't, it felt like a long time, but then I think he got it, he got it repaired and he came back. And I mean, it was still like, and that's, I think it was either before, I can't remember if that was at the surgery was after WWE or before. Was it before? Okay, yeah. Because, but I remember he just—he still was great, but it just—he didn't have that the crispness. And so, I mean, obviously, with time, I think is is it all. I think he's actually—I think he's done now, right? I think he's—is he retired or he he wrestled Joey Janela not like recently, but I mean, I think recently, recently oh, wow. as in like the last couple, like last year, right? Yeah, he he wrestles very sporadically now, yeah. uh, but he's primarily kind of an executive role uh, with Dragon Gate. Um, but yeah, he will occasionally throw on, uh, throw on a, a match. I can't believe you guys haven't mentioned the, uh, when he, he fought Mysterio in WCW, yes. that match was a banger, man. I remember yeah. watching that and being like, just like, not like as a kid, you're with like the big, like Hogan era. Mm-hmm. I hate to keep bringing Hogan up, but, uh, <laughs> Hogan, um, you were like, just like, holy shit, this guy's just a really big dude. Like all those dudes, they were just gigantic to you. But like, I remember watching those dudes for the first time, Mysterio and uh, Ultimo Dragon, and just being like, this is insane on how quick, how like, like flawless their their moves were. And just those guys were just like one right after another, after another. And I was like, that was like the first time I want to say that I ever I've ever seen like a true like lucha style Japan style match was in WCW and just being like, I want more of all of this. Like, I don't want big bodybuilders anymore. I want these two dudes to go like two hours. Cause they, you know, they could. And like, I think Ultimo it's a shame. And I, I, again, it's like, I keep bringing up Vince McMahon and it's just, it's just insane that he does, or he did do that with guys like Ultimo and guys like Ray. And I'm sure maybe the Mysterio family name had more to do with it, but like you see Ultimo and you're just like, what are you doing, man? Did you just get him to just have him? Cause he's just, I just remember being like at the beginningness of our smart Markness is that like, what the fuck are you doing with this guy? Like, why do you have him and you're doing yeah. nothing with it? And then, yeah, you allegedly fire him because he trips and falls, which is like, the dude has a move named after him for crying out loud. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? Like his, his, that, that, it just drives me nuts. And then it was just kind of like, he just, it fizzled out cause he was getting older and it was just like, damn, he could have been amazing. He, he should have had a better run than he did. Yeah. I, think, WWE, at least. I think WCW sure. At the time, I, I think, you know, that was like, like what well, he kind of got pulled into that, like, pre NWO era. And mm-hmm. then after NWO came out, it was like, everyone's like, Oh, if you're not in NWO, you're done. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. Like, I don't, I'm not saying Ultimo dragon should have been world champ. Right. Cause at the end of the day, he was, he was, he was five foot seven, 185 pounds. Right. Like he, he, he wasn't. And, and Ray has the charisma that Ultimo yeah. doesn't, but I think exactly. Ultimo 
I think he could have easily been a phenomenal IC champ. I think he oh, could have been a fantastic U.S. champ. He, oh, absolutely. He could have been so much more than just a cruiserweight guy. Uh, and, and that's where I, I think they really missed the mark. Since he has such a big history in Lucha Libre, he and Reyes obviously has a very deep history in Lucha Libre that when it comes to the, I guess, the more showman-y kind of things, that he's not relying on the more um, – um, oh my God, the Mexican style versus it seems the, it's the more traditional, very quiet Japanese, you know, style and whatnot. So I'm just, it's interesting. And it's like, it seems like what he ever, what he really got from Mexico was just more that, you know, just the more aerial style to add, but he just didn't bring any of the, you know, the Rey Mysterios, the Eddie Guerrero's, the La Parca's, the Silver Kings. Big <laughs> 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 Silver King fan over here. Yeah. yeah I, it's it's kind of too, how you, uh, I didn't know anything about him training in, in uh, Mexico. It, it's almost like um, uh, Tattoo Naito. Mm-hmm. Like the similarities there. Because yeah. like Naito yeah. was pretty pretty heavily, like not, I wouldn't say buried, but like he was kind of pretty quiet in New Japan until he went over to Mexico and did, I, mean, I can never pronounce that faction. You could put a gun to my <laughs> head. Los Ingobernables? Yeah, sure. That one, yeah, yes, <laughs> and uh, like until he did when he when he joined up with them, and like that the comparisons is like it's kind of I mean yeah I don't think Naito is good enough I mean he's amazing but not good enough to have a move named after him for crying out loud. <laughs> I could I could see him pulling one out eventually, but uh, but no yeah it, <laughs> yeah it, it actually I think there's a lot of similarities between Naito and and Ultimo Dragon actually not just that that you know, uh, Japan to Mexico, but, um, I, I think there's a lot of similarities between their styles and their career. Uh, as, as yeah, I mean, well, I mean, even Naito has been pretty vocal about getting kind of screwed over for that new Japan AEW show. Yep. And it's, I mean, it's same with like, if you, like you were just saying, like, uh, Ultimo Dragon too, has been kind of like, he was screwed out of, out of a few matches. It sounds like as well. So mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, it's more than, more, yeah, more than just wrestling in Mexico. Bottom line is phenomenally underrated, I think, has been kind of lost to history by a lot of people. But, you know, we we still think about the D Malenkos. We still think about the, you know, the the uh, guy who shall not be named. We still think about all those great technical wrestlers. Ultimo kind of gets lost in the shuffle. And I think that's a real shame because he was a phenomenal talent. Uh, and has had a huge impact. I think he's played a very big role in a lot of the the styles of wrestling that we see today, and deserves a lot more credit. So I'm I'm ready to to scream his praises every time I get the chance to. It just I wish that they would have brought in more Japanese. You know, for as much as they brought in like a lot of the luchadors, like uh, yeah, like I I don't really give a shit about Silver King. You watch your mouth when you talk <laughs> the, the Vianos, all the Vianos, like. You could have brought in. I think you could have brought in some Japanese talent to like strengthen. You know, one give Ultimo more matches, but like just and also just but strengthen it even more. You know, and I feel like it's like a missed opportunity. That's just they didn't do a you know lucha libre versus kind of Japanese style. And I, I think you know if if we're gonna if I'm gonna be completely fair, uh, I think part of the reason why you saw people like Rey Mysterio get the rub and Ultimo not is because I think the WCW and WWE wanted the, the Hispanic market more than they wanted the Japanese market. I, I think from a business perspective, that's why you saw guys like Hoovy. That's why you saw guys like Ray, you know, yeah. I, they were getting, they were getting a lot more screen time than, than Ultimo because they weren't concerned about sales in Japan. Uh, whereas in the Hispanic community, you know, you put you put Ray as the face of your company. Hell, it's the only reason Jinder Mahal was champ is because they were trying to expand into the Indian market. You know, yeah, there's, there's no other reason to put the fucking belt on Jinder Mahal. I think, yeah, I think Ultima was ultimately uh, kind of victim of of business too. He, uh, I was just reading. He just uh, he just recently did a match with Penta. No, good yeah. lord. With, um, Which is crazy because, I, like, uh, Penta also has, like, uh, Ultimo, like, vibe with his mask. Yes. Yeah, his mask. Oh, 100%. But, I mean, it's like a, it's a weird mixture between Hayabusa and Ultimo. Yeah. 
And I know it sounds weird to say, like, um, you know, a masked wrestler and facial expressions, but like the facial expressions that Penta is able to use and the facial expressions that Ultimo could use. Ultimo had some great heel work with just facial expressions under the mask. Like, you know, it was, he did some great work with that kind of stuff. But yeah, oh man, Penta versus Ultimo. Fuck. Yeah, I guess that that was in uh, earlier this year, it sounds like. Oh my God. I need to I need to wake up. Oh God! <laughs> oh, oh wow! Yeah, he, uh, I guess it was at Triple Mania. Oh my God! That's crazy. Triple Triple Mania. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, all respect to Yoshihiro Asai. Uh, you know, I, I don't I don't think there will be another one. Uh, and and uh, put him in the Hall of Fame. Damn it. And that'll wrap it up for this week's episode, but come back next time for more news, analysis, and of course, our Spotlight of Wrestler of the Week. Big thanks for giving us a listen and a super thanks for subscribing to this podcast so you can have our dulcet tones delivered right to you each week. Feel free to leave us some feedback on your podcast delivery platform of choice. On behalf of Mike and Tom, I am Jim, and we are...